Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Thursday, July 25th, 2019. I'm your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for joining me for today's episode. On today's show, uh, Matt Hepner from The Only Colors, who if you've been listening to the show from the beginning, uh, you know him well. Uh, he will be joining the show to talk about his piece uh, in The Only Colors, on The Only Colors, yeah, on The Only Colors about Brian Lewerke and how he's uh, he's buying into Lewerke this year, uh, having a comeback season, making us forget about uh, the disastrous 2018 campaign. So we'll talk about uh, that with him and then we also get into different things about uh, schematic changes and things along that line that uh, are of interest to us heading into this season. Before that, I kind of want to, uh, I guess for the first segment, prime that conversation. Uh, I have some thoughts uh, that I guess I haven't really, I don't know, I've, I've been thinking about the Brad Salem uh, as offensive coordinator, the the shuffle, uh, if you will, and the offensive coaching staff and how it might impact things moving forward. So I want to give some thoughts on that and then we'll bring in Matt and do two segments with him. So that's how today's show is going to go. Uh, reminder to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't subscribed yet. It's the easiest way to get these episodes on your phone every single day and give us a five-star rating. Head over to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a review if you so choose. Always enjoy uh, actually, you know what? I need to do that. I need to go uh, open up the iTunes page and see if there's been any uh, new reviews lately because I always enjoy uh, looking at those. But I do know we have uh, a really good review. I think it's like 33 five stars and then one one star because Sheehan was on the show after the Sweet 16 and said some inappropriate things and I got in trouble for that. Somebody didn't like it and left a one star <laughs> review. Um, also, we are still doing the gift tournament over at Spartans Wire. We're like halfway through or three quarters of the way through the first round. We've got the D'Antonio region, the Izzo region, the green region. And actually, by the time you listen to this, it might be out. Uh, I'll have the white region going up tomorrow or today, um, later today. So it'll be D'Antonio, Izzo, green, and white. You can go through, read the little things I write about each uh, each GIF, uh, sort of set up the matchup, look at the GIFs, pick your favorite and then vote there. Voting will end uh, Friday afternoon. I might let the white region go a little bit longer because it got up uh, later in the week. And then we'll reconvene. And on Monday, we'll start the second round of that. And hopefully, uh, not hopefully, we'll be finished by the end of the week. We'll get a, a final four and then a championship round going and choose the uh, MSU gift to rule them all. So we got that going at Spartans Wire. Definitely check that out. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. All right, let's talk about these offensive changes. So <laughs> it's sort of an unprecedented thing uh, what Mark D'Antonio did with his offensive staff and a little bit of the, the defensive staff, I guess, as well, because some things shifted up. Over there, I honestly can't even keep, I couldn't keep track of all the moves. I know the major ones, um, but it, it's it's an unprecedented move for a program of Michigan State's stature. It, it feels, you know, it felt at the time, it feels still like a, a D3 move, a D2 move. Uh, you know, at this level, the Division One level, the FBS level, when you're a team like Michigan State, who has been to the college football playoff, has won the Big Ten a couple of times, uh, in the last, what, like seven years? Uh, yes, 2013, 2015. Uh, but, you know, you're trying to get back to that. It's been uh, three years since you've really 
had a, an excellent season, had a solid season in 2017, but, um, you know, the standard has been set at this program to win the Big Ten uh, and at the very least compete for the Big Ten year in and year out. And at a program of that magnitude, when things uh, go catastrophically wrong like they did last year, when changes are necessary, uh, you don't usually see an in-house shuffling of the deck. You don't see musical chairs. You see somebody, uh, two, three, four assistants get fired, uh, an outside search, uh, a replacement, someone uh, of a strong caliber, someone who's got a proven experience. If you know, if we're talking offensive coordinator, someone who's been a play caller for an FC, or not FCS, well, maybe an FCS team, or um, you know, a group of five team that's had good offenses, consistent offenses. Uh, and you kind of you you go that way. You you hire or you hire an assistant from another major program. You try to poach, uh, whatever someone from Texas, their uh, their quarterbacks coach, or, you know, something along those lines. Try to give someone a promotion to come be the offensive coordinator at Michigan State. You don't usually see this shuffling of the deck, and so it's kind of an unprecedented move. It's a doubling down on loyalty. Uh, which, you know, in continuity, which the program has been built on. And there might be uh, some benefits to that, you know, <clears throat> keeping some fam familiarity, at least with, you know, it's the quarterback's coach is now the offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator goes to quarterback's coach. He's been successful as a quarterback's coach. Jim Bowman has been an offensive line coach before and is regarded as someone who is more of a, a teacher than a schemer or a play caller or designer of an offense. So that could be something that uh, ends up working out. He's got, certainly got a track record at previous stops of being a really high quality offensive line coach. So there's some stuff that makes sense with this, but there's definitely a lot of stuff that doesn't really make sense. And Mark D'Antonio is, again, doubling down, kind of uh, sticking his neck out for his guys. And, you know, we'll see uh, how it works out. But I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic I think at this point as we've had a couple of months to sit on it we had spring ball didn't see a ton of differences in spring ball you know maybe a little bit more in the zone blocking scheme which could indicate uh, the zone read play that has become a staple for many offenses and the different option plays that can be called off of that Brad Salem we've gone over his time at Augustana State uh, they ran a spread offense they ran with tempo they did the quarterback run stuff you know, a lot of things that Michigan State fans have been clamoring for in terms of just a modernization of the offense. And uh, Hepner and I will get into this uh, a little bit later. We'll Pre-tape the interview, so I already know what we're going to talk about. Um, so we get into it a little bit later. So I'm not going to dive deep into specifics there. We get into some, like a specific play and how it could be changed. Uh, but, you know, we're not expecting uh, a complete facelift. We're not expecting a complete revamping. It's not going to be a totally different offense. At, at least I would not think so. I think it's still going to be Michigan State. They're still going to want to run the ball. Uh, at times, it's going to be annoying how much they commit to running the ball, especially in situations where it maybe doesn't make sense. They'll probably run it too much on first down for my liking. And you know, there's still going to be a lot of the same characteristics. It still wants to be a ball control offense. And, you know, what I'm, I guess, cautiously optimistic about is that D'Antonio will cede a little bit of control over the, the, the personality of the offense, we'll call it, the, the, the spirit of the offense, what it is accomplishing or what is it trying to accomplish and how it's going to go about doing that. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's not about controlling the ball. It's not about running the ball. It's about putting points on the board. It's about scoring touchdowns and everything you should do 
should be geared towards that in this day and age when offenses are finding new uh, creative ways every single week to put the ball in the end zone. You know, Michigan State needs to catch up with the times on that. And I think D'Antonio has kind of come to that realization a little bit. Um, you know, this offense doesn't exactly match the offense Kirk Cousins was running, even as, you know, antiquated as we think it can be at times. They do try different things. Sometimes, you know, Dave Warner would deploy things in just the wrong spot, but you're like, great, I'm glad we have that play. Why'd you run it there? Uh, we were marching down the field. We didn't need to pull out something a little bit different uh, in that spot. So what I'm hopeful with uh, Brad Salem is that we will see a little bit more of using Brian Lewerke's skill set properly. And we do talk about this in a little bit. Uh, we do start to see more RPO things. We just start to see sort of wrinkles, not a, a massive shift in anything, but different wrinkles, different route combinations, different ways to get easier passes, uh, using horizontal space more than Michigan State has in previous years. Those are like easy things. Tempo is another one. Like just using the horizontal space of the football field and using tempo are two things that every offense should do unless you're Army and you're just a pure throwback triple option offense. But even they have ways to, you know, spread teams horizontally and use tempo to trick teams up, uh, you know, change the pace, keep the defense on its heels. Those are two really simple things that every offense should be doing. And Michigan State just hasn't had that. Uh, and in terms of like pre-snap motions and doing different things to diagnose uh, coverages ahead of the snap, there just hasn't been enough of that. Michigan State has always liked to kind of shift things uh, and shift into different formations and then use H-back motion that kind of would give good reads to defenses and set up angles, certainly for blocking lanes, but it also kind of telegraphs what you're going to do at times. And just so like adding little dimensions, little, you know, let's have a set where we go really fast. Let's have a set where we go fast and then we slow it down after two plays. Let's have a set where we're doing things in terms of spreading the field horizontally, getting the ball in space into our playmakers hands, because this offense has a lot of talent. It doesn't feel like it after last season, but uh, Cody White can be an NFL receiver. Daryl Stewart can be an NFL receiver. Speedy Naylor can be an NFL receiver. Uh, Anthony Williams Jr. looks like he's going to be a really talented player out of the backfield. Connor Hayward can catch the ball really well, especially for a big back, and could be a mismatch. Uh, Ladarius Jefferson's a good overall uh, athlete, a, was a great back uh, as a quarterback, great runner uh, in high school, and just someone who needs to get used to the position. There's a number of guys back there. Brandon Wright's coming in. Um, Eli Collins, there's a bunch of guys in the backfield who are interesting at the very least. Uh, both the tight ends are former four-star recruits. Matt Dotson needs to start putting things together. Trenton Gillison hasn't played really at all, but is a guy who is a really well-regarded recruit, like a top 250 guy, four stars, uh, had his pick of a number of schools and came to Michigan State. So, And then you have Lewerke, who we've seen what he can do. We've seen uh, the, the big flashes his sophomore year, him put it together for a few games here or there and be someone who was talked about last year as a potential NFL quarterback, potential dark horse for the Heisman, and they just need to get back to uh, using his skill set to its most, like to its fullest, doing things that make him comfortable, doing things that make him the best version of himself. And that's what uh, Matt and I are going to talk about here after this quick commercial break. You can get Locked on Spartans on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, you can find this podcast. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Spartans. 
All right, welcome back to Locked On Spartans. Happy to be joined now by Matt Hepner, friend of the podcast, who uh, we were just talking a little bit before the show here, Matt. Uh, we're looking forward to football season getting going because there has just been nothing to talk about as it relates to Michigan State. Uh, how you doing? Thanks for joining the show. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. And uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to uh, getting the actual season uh, rolling or at least the, the, the real preseason going. Yeah, we can talk about practice and if anybody can figure anything out about what this offense might look like. And then we'll finally get into the games and hopefully your breakdowns will end up much happier than they were last season. <laughs> um, Especially but, at the end. I don't know if I can do that again. Yeah, the last God, five weeks, five or six games were just really tough. Um, so you write, of course, for The Only Colors. Uh, you published a post, uh, looks like end of last week here. Uh, it's just titled, I Believe in Brian Lewerke, which immediately made me think of The Dark Knight with the uh, the whole I believe in Harvey Dent. I don't know. Were you going for that or was it just a coincidence? Yeah, I mean, kind of. That's where it like, kind of <laughs> came from. I was thinking about it while I was writing this. I'm like, yeah. what, what is the title for this that's going to get people to at least look at it and, and decide yeah. they want to? So, I mean, you know, yeah, I kind of, kind of went for the old, uh, the old Dark Knight one there, but yeah. Uh... <laughs> Good. I will. I, I picked that up. I'm like, I wonder if he was doing that. So I appreciated the reference. And then uh, just, you know, looking through the piece, you, uh, as the title would give away, have some confidence in a bounce back year for Brian Lewerke. So let's kind of start broad here. Just why do you think he could be in for a, a much better season than he went through his junior year? Well, I mean, the, the whole point or the, I guess the whole jumping off point for that article really was the the statement that D'Antonio made at Big Ten Media Days about Lewerke and the the confidence that he seemed to have in him. And when, you know, he said specifics about him, that he's, you know, healthier. He's healthy, not healthier. He's healthy. He's got his confidence back. He's bigger, stronger, and faster. And that he is really looking forward to seeing what he can do this year this is the kind of stuff that like makes my ears perk up when I'm listening to Michigan state coaches, because a lot of times, especially D'Antonio and especially at like these types of things is speaking in like generalities about stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, I really like my group. I really like these guys. We got a good group this year. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. We're, we're, we're really focused. These are all like very, so when he goes and says something specific about Lewerke, this wasn't, I feel confident or I feel good about our quarterback position or our quarterback situation. This was Brian Lewerke looks like he's ready to do what people thought he was going to do last year. That's kind of how I interpreted this. And so, mm -hmm. you know, for me, you know, and I mentioned this in the piece, you go back a year ago and Lewerke being talked about as a guy trying to have a huge year with the potential, I mean, people are writing articles that he's a dark horse Heisman candidate, that he's yeah. a guy that could end up playing himself into a first-round draft pick. And obviously that all looks ridiculous now, but the, it, the, the talent's there. It didn't just magically disappear. He was hurt last year. I don't know if he was ever healthy. And I also think his confidence got screwed up, and I think things got a little too – I think he was thinking way too much. So my whole thing is the skills are there. We've seen it. He's, he's a year 
you know, basically two years older now than he was when he had his, you know, kind of breakout sophomore season. The, the tools and the talent are all there. And if he's healthy and got his confidence back, then I expect him to be, like, the the driving force behind this offense that he's going to, you know, kind of have to be. Yeah, and I don't know if you remember, like, I don't know, the first three or so weeks that season. I think the Utah State game was mostly all right. Uh, they did put up 38 points. I don't. They may have had a defensive touchdown there, but the offense looked okay. And then there was a couple games where it just wasn't looking good. Uh, and I don't know if you remember this, but there was some analysis out there. There were some quotes out there that, you know, maybe Brian was thinking too much, trying to be too much of a pocket passer, uh, being too conscious of uh, the NFL, needing to prove that he could stay in the pocket, go through progressions and hit guys accurately instead of just going out and playing. And that there was some thought that maybe coaching had a little bit to do with that. And it wasn't as much. I don't know, not freedom, but he wasn't just going out there and playing, you know, he was overthinking things. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if that's, if they were aware of that and can sort of tone that back and just say, hey, you know what, we went through the crap last year, just go and play. You know, I think even something as small as that could have a big influence on him because he's at his best when he is uh, escaping the pocket, being a playmaker outside of the pocket, he can throw just fine. Um but it, it seems silly to try to just confine him to being a pocket passer when he's got gifts that extend well beyond that. Like he's someone who runs well, like mid four fives uh, in the 40, somewhere in there, four, five, five, like he's got pretty solid college speed. Uh, and we've seen that in the games as well. He's broken off huge runs. It, it doesn't, it just seems like it, it limits him so much. And so, you know, I'm hopeful that they're kind of willing to let him just go out and play a little bit more instead of making things more difficult on him. I completely agree. And, and I, I, I said it on, I mean, I wrote it last year. We talked about it early in the season about that. I thought that he was overcoached was kind of the term I used in mm-hmm. the off season and that he was thinking instead of reacting. Yeah. So instead of him making plays, he's thinking about, okay, what do the coaches want me to do in this situation? Or like, what is the right thing for me to do? And when you saw some of his best moments last year, last year were in situations where he's just doing stuff. I mean, remember, he led a game-winning drive at Cappy Valley against a ranked Penn State team. Yeah. And everyone thought MSU was dead in the water. I mean, and then he gets and, – and he was apparently hurt at the end of that. But that's a situation where he's just playing. And, you know, he's, some of his best moments have been game-winning drives where he's just, he's just out there playing. And, and one of the things, remember, we talked about this last year when we were like, you know, oh, we were trying to get the offense going or whatever, like put him in a two-minute drill, let him just throw without thinking a little bit and, and see if that gets him going. So I, I agree with you. I think that if, if – and I mentioned it in the, uh, in the piece I wrote this or last week, you know, if they're letting him play, they're just letting him do his thing, then he's the guy who makes plays. Mm-hmm. He makes plays at big times, and when he makes plays, Michigan State wins. So, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping they kind of, you know, you got a you got a new reset, right? Full reset this year. He's healthy. You got a new coordinator, guy calling the plays who was your quarterback's coach, you're very familiar with, and you're the guy, right? As much as some people want there to be a quarterback controversy, D'Antonio said 
basically, look, Brian's the guy. Rocky's mm-hmm. going to get reps. He's got experience from last year. We're glad he's there. Brian's the guy. So he's not looking over his shoulder, and he's not hurt, and he's feeling good, and he should be ready to go. I, I, I think this all kind of works together into putting him in a pretty good situation. And, and the offensive line should be better this year because they're bigger and they are more experienced and they've played more together. And let's hope we can keep all these guys upright. Yeah. But, but like, I mean, there has I, to I, be, I, yeah, there, there has to be a rebound in luck in injury luck for them on that side of the ball. It just got out of hand. And Lurky really seems like the type of quarterback who is just more comfortable in a more free flowing backyardy type situation, uh, less of a methodical precision type player. And, you know, all, all quarterbacks are different. Like he's not, you know, Peyton Manning is just incredibly cerebral type. And then there's different like a Pat Mahomes who's out there just winging it around and being a crazy athlete who can throw and just be like, there's different ways to succeed at the position. And I don't think the the success, the path to success for Brian Lewerke looks a lot different than it does than it did for Kirk Cousins or Connor Cook here. They're just different players with different skill sets. And yeah, I think they need to do a better job, obviously this year, of highlighting what he's really good at. All right, we will be right back with segment two of our conversation with Matt Hepner. You can find Locked on Spartans on the brand new Himalaya podcast app on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, basically wherever you can get a podcast, you can find Locked on Spartans. Go there, go to your favorite podcast service, hit the subscribe button, and subscribe to Locked on Spartans. All right, welcome back to Locked on Spartans. Let's finish off our conversation with Matt Hepner of The Only Colors. What do you think about the changes? I mean, now that we've had some time to sit on this in terms of the shakeup, it's still ridiculous. It's still an unprecedented move for a program of this stature to do something like that, to shift up every single offensive assistant. Um, But what do you think it might look like with Brad Salem uh, at the helm with control of the offense? I mean, my guess is as good as yours on that. I, I yeah. got to assume there's going to be some level of nuance and wrinkles being added into this. And because, look, you don't have to, like, reinvent the wheel here. Like, no. the, the, the playbook does some good things. It has done some good things before. The, the biggest problems and issues that I always had with Dave Warner were situational play calling and a lack of kind of understanding, like, when you're getting something rolling. You don't need to go and, like, do something weird just for the sake of doing something weird. Like, I mean, sometimes, like, when it's working, you just let it keep working. So that was a lot of the stuff that, you know, made me the most crazy about Dave Warner and his play calling. And But I just want to see, like, and like you said, I want to see them use the guys they have to their talent ability. That's something that I feel like you had, you know, the times that Michigan State has struggled offensively over the last handful of seasons is you're you're trying to fit, you know, square pegs into round holes. You're trying to have got make guys do things that they can't do. You need to to shape your offense around the the personnel that you have. This is college football. It's not the pros where you you know <laughs> I run a system and I'm going to bring in guys or whatever that do that. This is you get the guys that you get. 
and you've got to figure out a way to make them work and be successful with them. And like you said, I don't think they let Lewerke be Lewerke last year, especially early on in the season. So, like, let's let's try and do some of that. Like, let's try and work that in. I'm not saying he's got to run the ball, you know, 20 times a game. He'll get killed. He'll never last. But you've got to find ways, especially because they're not going to have, like, a featured running back. You're going to have to find ways to run the ball without running the ball in the way that Michigan State has traditionally done it, whether that means Lewerke on options or, you know, some some short passing type things or just, you know, quick stuff to get the ball out of the backfield or whatever. Wildcat. It's going to have to look different. <laughs> God, no, please. <laughs> Wildcat, jet sweeps all over the place. Jet sweep no to the short that, side please. to Brandon Powers. That's what Powers. I don't want to see. Yeah, if oh, Brandon yeah. Sowards runs a jet sweep to the short side of the field in the red zone this year, I'll stop watching Michigan zone. State football forever. But that play, so <laughs> we like you, me, and five other people were having a discussion on Twitter last week because uh, crafty consumer Ross threw up the play of that that Indiana jet sweep in the red zone that was the the precursor to the fake field goal disaster, and just said, "I've been thinking about this play a lot," and like a really good discussion revolved around that. And it's, I think it's a perfect example of how they can tweak things without needing to, they're not going to redesign the entire offense, but there are little things here and there that they can do. And that play, which was just a straight jet sweep, give uh, end around to a backup receiver on the short side. Like who had never carried the ball, who had never (laughs) carried the ball. If they would have built in an option on the backside with Brian Lewerke, having the option to keep the ball where he was actually making a read. Uh, like the end crashed down, the safety crashed into the box. Like there was a lane he, there. He could have been a touchdown. He could have walked in for a touchdown. Uh, even on top of that, if you want to build the play out a little more, it's single coverage on the backside, sort of soft single coverage in the red zone. Uh, and, you know, so the receiver doesn't have to get off a jam or anything. You can run a hard slant there and you have a backside RPO option now where uh, you pull the jet sweep and then you run, Lewerke, and then as soon as someone presses up on him, he throws the backside slant, which would have been pretty much wide open with the soft coverage they had. Like it's simple stuff like that, just adding a wrinkle here or there, adding additional things onto plays that are what uh you know good offenses do. Uh, it's it's not like the design is flawed or anything like that. The scheme is terrible. It's it's outdated in its approach. You know, running on first and ten every single time is a completely outdated concept. Running forty times to win is a completely outdated concept, but there are plays like you said in the playbook that work and just doing something like that, adding those two little wrinkles on the backside of a terrible jet sweep could have resulted in it working. And they just didn't have any sort of, uh, additions. It plays like that. Um, and I think we'll see, a, I'm hopeful. I shouldn't say, I think I'm hopeful. We'll see more of things like that, uh, in the playbook this season, you know? Yeah, I think that's where I'm kind of at, too, right now. Like, I'm choosing to be hopeful right now because, like, I mean, the other side of it, you know, when you say, you know, I entitle this, you know, I believe in Brian Lewerke, well, there really isn't any other option, guys. Like, yeah. if we're going to be good, like, Brian Lewerke needs to be good. So, like, yeah. I'm choosing to believe in him, and based on some of, like I said, based on what D'Antonio said, and based on, you know, we've seen it before, we know that he can play, like, I'm choosing to go into this and be like, all right, I, I, I think he's going to be able to, you know, and the, I think on the tweet I say, you know, he's going to make us forget all about last year. And, yeah. you know, if he goes out and plays up to his ability, Michigan State's going to win a lot of football games with that defense. 
and we're going to forget all about last year. Yeah, it's it's going to be a top 10 defense so long as there's good to decent health on that side of the ball. There's solid depth, but you know, you lose a couple of key players, things can go downhill really fast, but as long as everything holds up on that side, top 10, top 5 defense, uh all you have to be is kind of mediocre to average on offense to win 10 games. Uh, We've seen that formula work at Michigan State before. And something that kind of gets lost in the shuffle, like Michigan State has really talented players at the skill positions. The receiving group, uh, it's them, Ohio State and Michigan, easily have the best receiving groups uh, in the conference. Uh, There might be, you know, the, the top three guys could all be professional NFL receivers for Michigan State. There's talent there. They've got two four stars uh at tight end who need to kind of put things together with limited experience haven't shown it all yet but there's two guys there who are four-star recruits they've got 19,000 running backs one of them has to be good um right. the, the ingredients are there brian you know we've seen the work be really great he's a four-star quarterback he's got all the talent in the world um maybe not the the arm talent but it's is fast can throw on the run is accurate enough his arm is strong enough he's a really good player really good college player like the ingredients are there um and i think you know just with a little bit better luck and them letting brian lewerke be brian lewerke uh it can go a long way this year and and i don't think they're going to be an exciting explosive offense that scores 40 a game like they were in 2014 but i think they can be competent and that's what they need they just need competence last year was just a, a, a month and a half of incompetence at the end of the season. And they still almost won pretty much every game they were in against top teams. They just need a little competence. That's all we're asking for. Yep. Just a little, like we said, I mean, we said this last year, I wrote it, we talked about it, you know, ad nauseum, but it, it's a middle of the road offense nationally. They're, they're winning like every game mm-hmm. or, or they're, they're going to win most games and have a chance to win every game. So like well again we're not yeah i'm not asking you to score 40 points a game (laughs) if you can score 28 30 i think we're going to be in really good shape yeah a top 70 offense wins 10 games with this team easy um yeah and if they can be like 2013 where they end up as a top like that team for the season ended up like 60th or something like that in S and P offense. But like we're playing like a top 30 ish offense for the second half of the season. If this team can do that, uh, there's no reason they can't repeat what happened in 2013, uh, especially given what is going on with the other schools in the conference, uh, some transitional type situations. There's no real clear top dog Michigan state with a solid offense could absolutely win this conference no problem uh but that's a big if that's those are big asks as we've seen from the offensive side of the ball out of east lansing (laughs) lately uh matt thanks so much for joining the show uh you can read matt's work at the only colors you can follow him at on twitter at matt hepner he'll be back uh hopefully i haven't we haven't confirmed this yet but if you want to confirm it right now and break some news that'd be great uh matt does weekly breakdowns uh after each game film room studies during the football season and and if you want to come back like you did last year and break those down and do a weekly segment. We're happy to have you. Uh, so, but definitely look out for that stuff once uh, football season. Oh yeah, going. absolutely. I'm in. Let's do it. Great. So hopefully it'll be a little bit happier than it was uh, the, the end of last season. Those were pretty tough uh, pieces for you to Can't write. I worse. know that. I know that. <laughs> yeah. That Nebraska game, dear God. All right, Matt, thanks so much for joining the show and we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you in a few weeks here once the season gets going. All right. Sounds great. Thanks. All right, thanks to Matt for joining the show today. You know what I was just thinking is 
uh, as I was listening back to that. We need to get Sheehan back on here. It's been a few weeks. We need to clown around a little bit as we get ready for the season. I need to work him back into the rotation. Uh, We'll definitely do that here in the next couple of weeks. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Spartans. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of the show. Not sure what we'll talk about, but it will be MSU related and it will be great as always. So thanks so much for listening. Subscribe to the podcast, rate review on iTunes, unsubscribe, resubscribe, all that stuff. Do it. I appreciate it. Uh, check out the gift tournament at uh, spartanswire.usatoday.com. And uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Until then, go green.